and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Calvin Parker, missing UFO tape recovered. That's correct, Calvin Parker, missing UFO tape recovered. Now this has to do with the uh, voice recording that was taken from Calvin Parker uh, and his friend, Charles Hickson, by the police. Now, these guys had had a, a UFO encounter, a U, an alien abduction, actually. They'd gone to the police to report it, and while they were in the room alone together, the police left the tape recorder on recording, and the interaction between these two men was caught on tape forever. Finally, this tape has resurfaced, and it just goes to show that we're dealing with a couple of abductees here, it appears, that were absolutely telling the truth. Now, I've covered um, the Calvin Parker case a couple times. Now, this, was, this happened down in the Pascaluga River down there in uh, Louisiana. And I've always thought that these guys were um, absolutely uh, telling the truth. It just had, the case itself had the ring of truth to it, most like the Travis Walton case. I mean, the story stayed the same, the facts stayed the same, and you just, and the and the witness, the one, the, the one fellow who's still alive, Calvin Parker, just seemed so sincere and just so completely down to earth and honest about everything that from the first time I heard it, I just couldn't, I couldn't doubt this man's experience. And in fact, I believe this uh, was the subject matter for the very first podcast that I did about two years ago now, and I, we covered it again in a second podcast uh, when Calvin came out with his book here, I think about a year ago, and now this new evidence has surfaced, and I just came across this on amp.clarionledger.com. This is a newspaper down there, and these guys have done a pretty good job of keeping up on this case. Now, this article is by Brian Broom, and it says Mississippi Clarion Ledger, and the date on this is July 13, 2020, so this is just a couple days ago. And the title says, They Didn't Make It Up, Interview Recording Surfaces in Pascaluga Alien Abduction Case. And then it has a picture here of uh, Calvin Parker and Charles Hickens. And it says, It's been 47 years since Calvin Parker and Charles Hickens contacted the county sheriff's office. They were abducted by, <clears throat> claiming they were abducted by aliens. Recently, a recording said to be made that night of what they told Sheriff Freed Diamond and Captain Glenn Ryder has surfaced. Now, you can go to uh, the website, UFO Warning. You can get there by going to at Warning Sub UFO. And I have a link to this article. And this article links to a video uh, that plays the recording. I'm not going to play it here because it's the sound quality is a little tough to really hear. But you can listen to it, and you can... It's obvious this thing was made back when they said it was made, and there's these two guys talking back and forth about what they saw. They weren't trying to get over on anybody. They weren't trying to uh, do a hoax or play a trick on somebody, or it doesn't look like they were just in it to try to gain some sort of fame to make money off of. These people had a real experience, and it affected them so much that they felt the need to report it to law enforcement. And it says, quote, It was about the time the coronavirus hit, Parker of Moss Point said, of when he received two copies of the recording. So that would be back in about mid-March. He says, I've been talking with him on the internet. He just showed up at my house. 
And it says, Parker explained, the man who gave him copies of the recording was an officer with the Pascaluga Police Department on the night the abduction occurred, but does not want to be identified. Parker said the officer was involved because he fielded roughly 50 phone calls that night from people claiming to have seen something unusual in the sky. So here we go. This happens so many times with these abduction cases. Uh, You'll have a situation take place frequently at night where multiple people call into law enforcement to report UFO sightings. And this is what happened here. He says 50 people approximately had called into the police station to report they'd seen a UFO. At the same time, Calvin and Charlie see a UFO too. (laughs) But they happen to see it a lot more up close and personal. Now it goes on and says, When I sat down and listened to it, it hit me, How real all of this was, Parker said. It kind of choked me up a little bit. I'd never heard it, not the full recording, just a piece where Charlie and I were locked in the room and they walked out. I was surprised they had the whole thing on tape. Now, if you follow the case closely, you know that a lot of us have heard that small snippet where um, Calvin and Charlie are in the interrogation room and, and... it's obvious they're talking back and forth about what they saw, and it's obvious that um, they're sincere. But now, Calvin has come into possession of this tape that's uh, a, a much fuller segment, and it just backs up what he's been saying all of these years. He says, At the time, Parker said, he did not know there was a recorder in the room. I had no idea, Parker said. Apparently, Charlie didn't either. They was all hid. Well, it's pretty clear the cops had these recorders in the room. Of course, this has been a long time ago. And they were just trying to see if these guys were telling the truth or not. He says, The interview took place on October 11, 1973, after Parkin and Hickson claimed they were abducted by aliens while fishing from the bank of the Pascagoula River. News of the event thrust the two into the media spotlight and put the town of Pascaluga on the map. It was unwanted attention for Parker, who tried to distance himself from it. However, events in Parker's life led him to feel he needed to tell his story, and he published a book in 2018 detailing his experience. Once again, the event became the center of attention for many, and the Clarion Legend published stories about the book and other people claiming to have witnessed unidentified objects in the sky that night. Now, the 47-year-old story continues with the release of the interview recording. And then it has, it says here, it says, I froze 45 years after reported Pascaluga alien abductions, more UFO witnesses talk. Uh, it has one here, it says, it was a blinding light. In, 2000, in a 2018 interview with the Clarion Legend, Parker said he noticed blue light reflecting off the water, and his initial thought was law enforcement officers had arrived to tell the two fishermen they needed to leave the property. However, when Parker looked up, he realized the light was coming from a craft like nothing he'd ever seen. So, as you recall, um, Parker has talked about how he and Hickson were down there along the river, uh, on a pier, I believe he said, fishing off the side of this pier. It's actually a large uh, a large area, a large industrial-sized river. It wasn't like they were like, a, like along a small stream somewhere. They're down there fishing, and they see this light out on the water. Okay, it's quite a large body of water. 
And at first they thought maybe it's a game warden. They're coming over here to, you know, hey, you guys can't be here fishing. But that's when they, as it gets closer, they realize that, no, this is definitely not uh, law enforcement in a boat. This is a full-blown UFO. It says, a big light came out of the clouds, Parker said. It was a blinding light. It was hard to tell with the lights so bright, but it looked like it was shaped like a football. I would, I would say, just estimating, it was about 80 foot. It made very little sound. It was just a hissing noise. Parker said, three legless creatures floated from the craft. One had no neck with gray, wrinkled skin. Another had a neck and appeared more feminine. Parker described their hands as being shaped like mittens or crab claws. When one of the creatures put out put one of its claws around the arm, Parker said he was terrified, but then another feeling came over his body. I think they injected us with something to calm us down, Parker said. I was kind of numb and went along with the program. Now, this is something that we hear over and over again with these alien encounters, where people feel as though something happened that made them feel calm. And that's exactly the sort of thing that research scientists would do if they were... Uh, on a mission to, say, capture some wild animal. They would simply tranquilize uh, the, the beast so that uh, it would be less of a danger to them. And it almost sounds like uh, poor Calvin and Charlie here are being treated like a couple of wild animals just to be bagged and tagged. It says, Parker said the creature held his hands in Hickson's arm and floated them into the craft where examinations were performed on the two. Then they were returned to the bank of the river. After some debate, the two decided they need to alert authorities and ended up in an interview room at the sheriff's office. During the interview, Parker remained silent, something he regretted when he listened to the recording. I was wishing I'd really opened up to them and told them everything, he said. Well, you know, Calvin Parker really can't blame himself for this because he has been through something that is extraordinarily traumatic. I mean, here's just an average guy down there on the dock fishing, you know, just being an average guy. And he looks up in the sky and here's this 80-foot illuminated football-shaped UFO. It comes down. A couple of these legless creatures. Now, it's hard to say, are these things aliens? Or are these things some, some type of non-human entity? Who knows? But they're definitely violating the laws of physics. They come floating across um, the water. They grab him and his buddy. They tranquilize them. They take them on board. They do who knows what to them in the form of some kind of examination. I certainly didn't see Charlie talking about signing a consent form. I mean, that's how these things operate. I mean, they are definitely old school gangsters. They bring them back and drop them off. Now, they're so traumatized by the situation that they decide they decide to tell an authority a figure about it, which would happen to be law enforcement. And they're and what and what happens? It's like it's like they were some kind of an assault victim. They're brought into this interrogation room, and who gets interrogated? Well, not not the party that caused the assault. You can't interrogate them. Who even knows where they're at? Who gets interrogated are these two poor individuals that were just out there minding their own business, fishing, and the next thing they know, they're on board this alien spacecraft. So it's not surprising that Charlie would be a little quiet. He probably was in some, at some level, he was in shock. That's my guess. He goes on and says, he says, I couldn't resist them. Hickson, who has since died, tried to explain during the 1973 interview what happened and what he saw included 
including going into the craft. He says, quote, And they glided me into that thing, Hickson said. You know how you just guide somebody. All of us moved like we were floating through the air. When I got in there, they had me, you know. They just kind of had me there. There were no seats, no chain. They just moved me around. I couldn't resist them. I just floated, felt no sensation, no pain. They kept me in that position a little while. Then they'd raise me back up. Hickson also tried to describe a machine he thought was used for a medical examination. Quote, no, it wasn't like no x-ray machine, Hickson said. There ain't no way to describe it. It looked like an eye, like a big eye. It had some kind of attachment to it. It moved. It looked like a big eye, and it went all over my body, up and down, and then they left me. Hickson answered many questions and described the aliens as being about five feet tall, with, single leg, with a single leg and foot, like appendage, without toes. He said they had what appeared to be ears, a nose, and a mouth, but none of the features looked human. He said there was. He said he was so scared he couldn't remember if they had eyes. He also said he couldn't remember details about leaving the craft. Only Parker's reaction. Well, when you read when you read Hickson's description of these things, it kind of personally it kind of reminds me of these situations where people describe UFOs as shapeshifters. It's almost as if you have some sort of uh, artificial intelligence driving these things to um, create to to create their presentation. To it's as if they're camouflaging into our our world. He says they had a single leg and foot, ears and nose and mouth that didn't seem to really do anything. It's it's as if they came here, they took a snapshot, they fed they fed the image of a human into some sort of uh, AI program, and this was the best they could do. On short notice, it's almost as if these things are trying to pretend to be human, but they're just missing a few lines of code. It really does seem like they're trying to fit in to a, to get these guys on board. It's almost as if when they come to do these abductions, they have to have some sort of consent or implied consent from the victims. It's almost as if the as if the victims if the victims don't clearly resist it's almost as if when that happens they're just basically snatched and that's what seems to have happened here these guys were just out fishing they're overwhelmed with the observation the the encounter with this ufo these beings come floating out of there these really strange looking creatures who almost seem to be attempting to look human and just the shock of it, these guys go with them. And I, when I read these cases, it seems like whatever these things are that are doing the abduction, the very fact that the victims go with them without putting up a serious struggle or fight, that seems to be all the consent they need to get you on board. And I think that that little bit of, you know... That little bit of implied consent is what leaves these guys with uh, such guilt. It's It really is survivor's guilt. It's the sort of thing that you see from people that are assault victims, you know, in these crazy situations where they blame themselves and they don't blame the person that's actually committing the crime. 
And these guys really are crime victims, in my opinion. I mean, they've been taken somewhere without their consent. They've had things done to them. They're not even sure what was done to them. But they certainly weren't treated like humans with a free will. He says now, Hickson answered many questions and described the aliens as being about five foot tall with a single leg and foot, like appendage without toes. He said they had what appeared to be ears, a nose, and a mouth, but none of the features looked human. He said he was so scared he couldn't remember if they had eyes. He also said he couldn't remember details about leaving the craft, only Parker's reaction. Quote, the only thing I remember is that, is that kid, Calvin, just standing there, Hickson said. I've never seen that sort of fear on a man's face as I saw on Calvin's. It took me a while to get him back to his senses, and the first thing I told him was, Son, ain't nobody going to believe this. Let's just keep this whole thing to ourselves. Well, the more I thought about it, the more I thought I had to let some official know. After the questioning, Diamond and Ryder left the room. Ryder, now retired and living in Van Cleve, said he didn't believe any of Hickson's story. Quote, I was really impressed with them, Ryder said. You have people trying to get notoriety, and I thought they were just... Oh, excuse me, I wasn't really impressed with them, Ryder said. You have people trying to get notoriety, and I thought they were trying to get notoriety with a spaceship. Article goes on. They didn't make it up, it says. While Parker and Hickson, and Hickson were alone, the hidden recorder was still recording. What was recorded changed Ryder's mind. The two talked about fear, sleeplessness, and needing to see a doctor, among other things. At times, it was almost like they were talking to themselves. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, God have mercy. I thought I'd been through enough of hell on this earth, and now I've got to go through something like this. See, Hickson said, but they could have, you know. I guess they, well, they could have harmed us, son. They had us. They could have done anything to us, but they didn't hurt me. Parker spoke mainly about his anxiety. I just want to cry right now, Parker said. What's so damn bad about it is nobody's going to believe us. I got to get home and get to bed and take some nervous pills or something. See a doctor or something. I can't stand this. I'm about to go all to pieces. I can't sleep like it is. I'm damn near crazy. The two continue talking and Ryder still remembers Parker's words. I put them in a room with a voice-activated recorder. And that convinced me, Ryder said. When that boy was talking about them coming back to get us, you had an 18-year-old boy that had never seen anything. He was genuinely scared. He was telling Charlie, don't talk to the deputies. They'll, <clears throat> they'll come back and get us. They didn't make it up. I can guarantee that. Now, this has all the markings of somebody who has been tremendously psychologically assaulted. These guys were afraid that if they told law enforcement that these aliens or NHEs, whatever they were, would come back and get them. And I thought this was really interesting here. The way that Hickson puts this in such, I guess you would say religious or spiritual terms, he says, Jesus Christ, God have mercy. I thought I'd been through enough of hell on this earth, and now I've got to go through something like this. Wow, what's he going through? This, this almost sounds more like a near-death experience to me. You know, you ever watch one of the shows on the History Channel or the Discovery Channel or whatever where these people have died and they say that they felt like they've gone to hell and then come back? 
and how traumatized they were by it. This is what this is what it sounds like. I mean, this guy, the older guy, Hickson, he seems like a kind of a seems like a tough old bird. But he obviously has been traumatized this traumatized by this. I think I've been through enough hell on earth, and now I have to go through something like this. What did he go through? You know, that's the scary part, because when he got off that ship, he didn't really remember what he went through. Another common thing we see with these abductions where people either have suppressed memories or they can't actually remember what happened to them. And then we go on down here, it says, They had us, they could have done anything to us, but they could, but they didn't hurt me. Now, you know... Okay, they didn't hurt him physically, but did they hurt him psychologically? And what, what is he saying they had us that could have done anything to us? You know, this just shows you the powerlessness that they felt during this abduction. goes on here, and then we, when, we, when we hear Calvin say, I just want to cry right now, Parker said. That's so damn bad. What's so damn bad about it is nobody's going to believe us. So you can see where he's really suffering some pretty severe uh, cognitive dissonance. He has had this very real experience. He knows this happened. I mean, that's his reality. But then once it's over, he's afraid nobody will believe him. Nobody's going to um, verify that this happened to him. He's out there completely alone. He truly is a victim. And then here we say where it says... He says, I put them in a room with a voice-activated recorder, and that convinced me. Well, obviously. He heard these guys talking about their experience. They weren't talking about how they were going to fool law enforcement. They weren't talking about how they were going to make a bunch of money off of this, or how they were going to gain notoriety off of this. These are two people that were abducted, that did suffer a psychological, a serious psychological assault from this, possibly a physical assault that we're not aware of, and when they were released, they had they had to decompress from that. They had to deal with that, that psychological assault. And that's why they went to law enforcement. And even here in the interrogation room at the law enforcement office, they're worried about these things coming back and getting them. Now, if these things were so great, if these things were space brothers, if these things were us from a future time, if these things were such awesome little guys, why were these two men so scared to talk about it? Why were they so traumatized by it? That's what I'd like to know. It's a fascinating article. The whole Calvin Parker case is super interesting. He just seems like such a totally believable guy to me. I watched his interviews. I've listened to him talk. His his body language, uh, the way he recounts it, it just comes across to me as a person who had this experience and who who does need to talk about it because it's a way to heal from what happened. He does seem to me to be a not just an experiencer, but truly a victim. And it kind of shows us the dark side of these abductions. Very, very interesting stuff. Like I said, go to uh, the Twitter site, UFO Warning. You can follow there. That's a pretty cool thing to do. And if you want to support the program, you can go to Anchor and do that. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.